Good evening. You are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, live from France. Um, <laughs> the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And tonight, our favorite show is you, dear listener. No. Uh, Y-O-U, capital Y, capital O, big U. The U is talking to me. The U is talking to me. Um, you. <laughs> formerly, <laughs> formerly of, what was it? Uh, Lifetime, Lifetime. And now on Netflix. And this is the show that Jason Teasley from the Second and Short podcast slash The Cheap Seats. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, doing good. Um, a little sad that our, our cohort, Patrick <laughs> Mullen, was unable to join us. But, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with him. Yep, uh, we'll and we're going to power through uh, this shit show of a season <laughs> without him in, in his honor. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> talking you season three tonight and then we'll be all caught up and prepared for whenever season four rolls at us um committed to the end jason as i always am with these various tv shows and i'll tell you uh this was a mixed bag we're just going to talk for an hour um about this and that like we've done the past show i'm not going to go episode by episode um this this doesn't need an episode by episode breakdown but i will tell you like the first two to three episodes of this I was super excited. I was really into it. I was like, oh, this is hot bananas. I'm really, really liking like Joe and Love as the, uh, you know, the serial killers hiding in plain sight deal. And then the show fell, fell down hard past season two, right back into season one territory. And I'm not going to lie. I did not love a lot of season three. Yeah, I'm on that same thing. This is my least favorite season. I think this mm-hmm. this season has two phenomenal episodes. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the episode one and the finale. That everything else kind of is in. Eh, I think a lot of stuff is filler, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it and it drags out way too long. But I oh. will say this: we met a character mm-hmm. that I hate more than Peach. Okay, well we'll talk about it. Let me first let let's talk about the, like the first little mini arc here. Because that was to me the best stuff. We 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 ended season two with Joe obsessing over the neighbor, and and a lot of season three. And I'm I'm gonna draw a connection here and see if you're with me on this. I don't love as a general theme the malaise about the suburbs. I don't really like the idea of someone being disgruntled about being a settled man. I, I, and this is a personal thing, and I understand people might approach this differently, but let me get this out. I, uh, I get, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have kids. I wanted a house in the suburbs. I want all of that. I think the, this is a valuable thing. I understand it's not for everybody. Um, some people are, you know, city dwellers. I get that. Some people are country dwellers. Um, and so I'm not necessarily saying everyone has to value and appreciate it, but I don't love the point of view that there's like an inherent, um, an inherent distaste, you know, a sort of like soul killing aspect 
of the suburbs, which seems to be where the writers are coming from this season. And it reminded me a lot of the movie American Beauty. Did you ever see American Beauty with Kevin Spacey? Yes. And okay. the rose petals and the yeah. underage girl. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he's so unhappy with his life and his wife and, you know, in his, in his middle class suburban upbringing, um, you know, that he wants to sleep with a high school student. Uh, it, it's just like, I like American Beauty, but that aspect of it always drove me insane. And so much of that drives Joe this season. And I didn't, and when, when, when we left off, and you got a kind of a taste of that at the end of season two, where he was, um, you know, the, him and Love, he was about to kill Love. Love said she was pregnant. They ended up buying a house, moving to the suburbs so that they could be this family. And he sort of, and he just sort of cashed in his chips and was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And then he focuses on the neighbor and, and, it, and it leaves you there. And so you're left with the impression that Joe is, you know, that this season is very much Joe wrestling with his nature of, I always want to save this other woman, be with this other woman, but I have to be good because I have to be a good dad and husband to love in my child. And like, there is a lot of that, but there's also like, a lot of Joe's inner monologue is how much the dad and husband suburban lifestyle is soul crushing. And I'm like, I don't love that perspective. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to hop in here. I, I get where you're coming from, but I mm -hmm. think it was more or less the suburb he was in mm -hmm. being the, you know, because loves family, love, loves money. Wouldn't let them have a normal suburb life. They mm -hmm. had to be the upscale where everything is everything is tech, everything because they even mentioned that you know, you can't do anything without somebody's ring camera being watched by the neighbors mm -hmm. or by their surveillance system or something. And that plays a big part into this as well, uh, later on in the season. But I, I get what you're talking about. I mean, you know, the suburban life isn't for everybody. Uh and I get where Joe comes from because he's he grew up in new york he grew up in the foster system mm -hmm. uh in in a busy city in new york he goes to la which is uh ex extremely busy city there's mm -hmm. and he went he goes from blending into these big cities to a suburb where he can't really blend in because right. everybody knows everybody's business it's it's a yeah, you're under a microscope it's a, yeah it's a pecking order and mm -hmm. you're judged for everything, and you're, you're, you're like you said, you're under a microscope. So that's where I think he was coming from. Is mm -hmm. not basically the suburban life. It was this suburban life, being the upscale mm -hmm. suburban life where everything is critiqued. I yeah, I see what you're saying, and I I just I um I don't disagree with you. I I think it was a little offensive to me, but kind of hearing you say like, well, maybe if they were in not like the highest scale suburb with the most plastic people they could find he right. might you know if it had if the neighborhood had some degree of grit to it you know because again like i've i've grown up in the suburbs all my whole life but i will tell you the suburbs of uniondale were not the same as the suburbs of massapequa so right <laughs> for for the five people in long island who are listening to this um <laughs> but you know that like there are some you know there are some you know like suburbs that you know, are not great, you know, and they're kind of on the low, lower income side. And then there are, you know, like the newly built higher end $300,000, $400,000, $500,000 houses, 
you know, that are like 2000 square feet and all that. And, you know, and yeah, like you said, everyone's got a ring camera. You know, it's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses. We have that here. And, my, you know, like my neighborhood is sort of on the lower end. But where my kids go to school, it's on the higher end. And there is definitely like a disparity there. Right. Um, but I thought and we talked about this with Pat on season two. We thought there was going to be a lot of focus on Joe and the neighbor that he's obsessing over. And for like two or three episodes, there is. Well, one. Oh, the I, opening. I was going to say, like, when does love kill her? What episode? End of, end of the first episode. Oh, she my God. That felt so much longer. <laughs> yeah, it's the end of the first episode. She she okay. puts an axe to her face. <laughs> That's why I said. And, and that was the most intriguing character. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think if if she would have been the love interest and mm -hmm. they would have done that plus the son. Yeah. And it was like they was trying to hide it from each other. Oh yeah. I think that would have been very intriguing and a very, a very interesting story arc. Right. It would have, that, that's the plot to an eighties hard body movie. Right. Where <laughs> me, me and you like cut our teeth on movies. Right. Like Joe's banging the mom loves banging the son. The dad's just wandering around. Like, like this have been, you know, and no, and no one can, you know, gosh, um, Oh God, I can't remember what movie it is with someone just announced everyone who's sleeping with each other come out here right now or something like that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what movie this is where, where there's a lot of like sleeping around going behind each other's back and it's like, whatever. Um, it's, it's, it'll hit me in the middle of the night and I'll just yell it out for no apparent reason. I'll, I'll but, wake up to a message. <laughs> um, the sexual revolution is over. That's the line. And now, and then eventually I'll figure out what movie that's from. In any case, my point being, like, yeah, like, the, the, so the, so it's great that love kills her because it definitely adds, like, a you know, the show is, the show for me works when love and Joe are trying to cover up murders. Right. <laughs> you know? But when they're trying to be a family. Yeah. And live, live normal lives. That's, it kind of falls apart for me. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I, I will, I'm not. I already don't like Joe as it is, but as you and Pat pointed Joe. out, he's like the least worst character of the entire <laughs> yeah. series. And I have to tell you, like, not this season. I, I don't know if you feel differently. I'll certainly hear your, your argument if you do. But I didn't like Joe at all this season. Like, I really, like, we're going to jump around a lot. But, you know, the this whole thing builds towards love just sort of being done with Joe. You know, J Joe is... Joe can't settle. He is he is broken on the inside such to the point that he can't just settle into being a father and husband. He has to keep looking elsewhere for um for the next conquest. Yeah, the next yeah. conquest. And it, it obviously causes tension with love. And then there's love who's like, no one will love you more than I do because I'm an obsessive weirdo. And you know, I, I she's trying to be everything for Joe, and it's never enough. And so she is under great frustration, as women often are in situations like that. And boy, is that a common thing for women? Um, feeling like, like I want to be all the things to you, and they're like, "Well, you can't be." And then the woman goes, the woman goes nuts and starts seeking solace elsewhere, which is what she does with the son. Um, and and so to kind of bring this to a point and let you get back in the argument, um, I didn't love the fact that. For most of the season, it's love trying to get Joe's attention and Joe going after the librarian who's the least interesting character in this entire oh my series. God. Like, 
And so we, we have a lot to talk about when it gets to the librarian. We can start talking and, about her now. I, I and but, the and the librarian help because there I'm gonna pose a question when it comes to him okay. that you may not under that hopefully you can clarify. And just just to put a final point on this, the other thing I didn't love about Joe and really made me kind of hate him as a character is and, and I and I responded to this in a very visceral way because I kind of went through it with Jonas. So my daughter, when she was born, was a very happy, very smiley, very like pleasant baby. She, you know, the first one's always the perfect one, right? Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, my baby was perfect, and we had a second baby. And Jonas, much to his current personality, is not a people pleaser, so he didn't smile like Lily did when I would blow raspberries or when I would. You know try to you know have fun with him as a as an infant i never got the same reactions and i actually talked about this on a on a, on a podcast once like it was a it was very hard for me to connect with jonas because right. i didn't get the same reactions to him that i got to lily but i never won but i just doubled down like i tried harder you know like I, clearly right. i have to approach this baby differently than i approached lily lily was easy relating to joe joe you know the the baby is fussy around him Henry is fussy, or, or 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 forty, whichever one you want to call him. The reincarnation. Um, yeah, Henry forty um, is fussy around him. He cries, you know, a lot around Joe. It takes a while for Joe to really bond with him, and the whole time, instead of like manning up and like you know, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try something different. Joe's like the baby hates me. I don't want to be a dad anymore. And I wanted to throw something at the television, and I know that that's intentional by the writers but it it like affected me personally i was like that is the wrong way to be as a man and a father and i don't like you and i and when love tries to kill him at the end of the season i'm like good <laughs> like i he's he's your he's your lead character you're not he's like you know mackie and um what's his nuts from the wire you know like you know even though they're detestable yeah. you're still supposed to like kind of be with them and i'm like no i'm i lost me entirely with joe now, this is, I'm going to pose a few things here. One mm -hmm. is, when did Joe become Deadpool? And Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> because this season had way too much snarky comedy for the type of show it is. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that irked me. That's why this, I, I didn't like that. Two, why did Love become my favorite character of the season? Yeah, and I did not like Joe. Love, I, I despise love in season two. Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you don't believe me, go back listen to the archive of our season two review with Pat. But love, I, I did not like love. This season was, I don't know if they wrote her this a whole lot better, mm -hmm. but you see the you see the genuine admiration there. That she's really trying, right? Despite all Joe's flaws, mm -hmm. and yeah, she's doing everything to please him. She right. is a pleaser. She she's doing everything. She wants this suburban life, and and she even stands up for her mother and basically cuts the mother out of their lives because she says this is this is why me and Forty were so fucked up mm. is because of you, and I don't want to be that. And you know she she. And you see her putting her relationship and her child first. Now, yes, does she do stu stupid shit? Yes, sure. But well, she the her character is written as she gets she, she's impulsive. 
you know, right. she, there, she, there's a line. She goes, oh, for it, she does something drastic. And then she has to figure it out. Right. And, you know, like killing the neighbor. I, I think they could have brought, they could have extended that a little bit. Right. You know, just kind of shows Joe's growing infatuation and how love is picking up on it. And then she <laughs> ends it. How about Joe and more public masturbation? Because that was fun. Oh, my God. Don't even... <laughs> Yeah, and then owning up to it like a joke. Well, you know, uh, no, no, shut I mean, up. Who doesn't, doesn't whack off in a Walmart parking lot? I mean, we've all done right. it. Yeah, I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> who hasn't? I mean, your wife goes and listen, I got to run in and get something. Well, um, let me. I'm just let me rub here. one out. Let <laughs> yeah. me rub one out while you're going in and getting. Yeah, get, while well, get... I'm supposed to be getting diapers, I'm gonna rub one out. Yeah, that's yeah, just, just that's not on the steering wheels all. Yeah, um, make sure you got some anti antibacterial wipes with you. But um, sure. it, it's it's that thing that there was such a dynamic shift because yeah. you in the first two seasons, Joe is this despicable person, but he's he's the lesser of the evil. So you kind of mm -hmm. root for him. You kind of like him, yeah. except for forty. I love forty. <laughs> forty is my forty is my boy, uh, and I was so happy for him to make the cameo. But this season, love is the one that is like the redeemable one. Like mm -hmm. you is like justified for everything that she's doing, except right. banging the neighbor kid. Which I mean, even if you look at it that way, she was justified in that because she was trying to find out what they, what the surveillance tapes had. So she had right. to use what she could could to get the surveillance tapes. And it, it was just one of those things that I. I really liked, and when in closing, I'm going to pose the if the ending would have been flipped, if that would have made it a lot better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let, uh, so let's get into some characters. Yeah, go um, shoot, take take the ball and run with it, buddy. So Joe is, you know, he's in the suburban lifestyle. He is at the end of season two. You see him look peer through a privacy fence and get the get a glimpse of a fairly attractive cougar uh, next door that, you know, that likes, that is trying to get attention because she's not getting at home, which mm -hmm. in ladies of that age tend to do. You, you'll see this in, in those high-end suburbia. Their husbands may are gone way. They got to keep the house. They got to keep it up appearance. She's a successful realtor. So Joe goes from this manic psycho murderer to suburban dad and husband. And hey, can I as we say, can I yeah. quick interrupt you really, really quick? Completely off topic, but on topic. It's the secret of my success, and the quote is: "The sexual revolution is over. Everybody out of bed." Yeah, okay, glad I got glad glad I got that. I <laughs> I would not have been able to sleep tonight. Please continue. Okay, so Joe is kind of. Joe feels like he is being kind of pigeonholed into this role mm -hmm. that doesn't fit who he really is. Like he's being stifled. Uh, where love is, love is going from this manic, fucked up family life to trying to break that mold with her her own family. So right. we're going to kind of talk about Joe and love together. So love it in this this series is pawning for Joe's attention, affection, the the life, the family life she never had. Right. Where Joe is the complete opposite of the spectrum. He never had a family life. He was just trapped. He he was in a 
foster care system that we mm -hmm. and through flashbacks we see was was really hard on him really damaged him any you know and it goes into the thing with the nurse mm -hmm. that you know that was not really needed but his effect he starts it shows the the beginnings with he starts showing affection toward females when he develops this thing for the nurse that magically she gets killed by her boyfriend or something and that's how he thinks that women should be treated because he's seen that in this in this group home environment where love is like i said the other end of the spectrum she knows nothing but toxicity toxicity in a home life her mm -hmm. mother's a raging alcoholic that uh is more concerned about her status quo than her fam her her children's up upbringing that you know that touches on and it has a little bit of callbacks to season two with how how 40 got fucked up because of the of what love did to the babysitter right um and you just see this there are two it's two opposite ends trying it's like a magnet trying to force them together and they yeah. they're just repelling each other but they're in the back of joe's mind i've got to do it for the kid in the back of love's mind i got to do it for my family I, um, Joe eventually starts to bond with Henry, um, and then it becomes less about that. You, you, you mentioned the mom thing before, and I, and I just want to draw attention to it. There's a scene where mom, after, I believe after whatever retreat they went on, um, where they got into it and, um, love goes off on the mother and the mother's like, you're a spoiled brat and, you know, you try taking some responsibility for your own stupid decisions. And by the way, your marriage to Joe is terrible. Um, it's shortly after that where mom goes on like a drunken joyride, holding Henry, <laughs> holding because Henry in the front tacos. seat. And so, like you said before, like, oh, you know, he cu she cuts the mom out of her life. And it's like, yeah, but rightly so. The mom, you know, the put, put the baby in such dire straits. Like, you know, there there's only a hundred different things she did wrong in that scenario. Uh, yeah. you know, and loves loves not overreacting when she says the baby could have been hurt or killed doing what you did. Uh, and I think she gets into an accident, doesn't she? No, she she takes the baby through the drive through, right? Which is a really funny scene. Introduces it as the reincarnation of forty to sure. the to the girl work, buys a lighter, and goes sets the vineyard right. that she had purchased okay. on uh, purchased. That the somehow the the ex husband got in the settlement. Right. Rule uh, number so one: she, If you're going to commit arson, don't bring a baby. Yeah, and and you see her walking away from the vineyard with a baby strapped <laughs> to her chest, and it's like, yeah, I I, I understand because you was drunk, <laughs> and you know you went out and and commit arson <laughs> after getting tacos with the baby. You know there there might be some issues there. You might need to do some. Do some self-reflecting, and that's why she gets sh shipped to rehab uh, because so, love forces her. So, all right. So let, let me go back to this um, just so we can finish this up and move and move this on. So the first beginning arc where they're dealing with Natalie's murder, um, and 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 love love can commit the murders just fine. It's dealing yeah. with it, you know, that she seems to struggle with. And Joe's now had to hide many bodies. You know, he's he's become an old pro at this. Which later on, when you know they're you know what through therapy they start talking about like you know having the need to communicate and process and very typical stuff you go through as a couple. 
Um, but with the added bonus of they have to learn how to work together in committing murder. And and so, and I don't know if the books by, I think her name is, the author's name is Carolyn Kepneys. Um, so these this show is based on this woman's novels. You and, um, oh God, what's the other the, name? The Bodies. Something, yeah. Uh, hang on. Uh, it, it okay. So the author, Hidden Bodies, that's the name. Of yeah. It. So um, and she actually has another one called Providence, and I'm kind of wondering if season four is going to be based on that. In any case, I don't know if like if this was an ongoing thing in the Carol and Kepney's book, but it's certainly become a gimmick of the show where we have to have the book closet, you know, and we yeah. have to have long drawn out ongoing bits where someone's in that book closet for oh something they did. And here, like. And I and I blinked and missed it. You know the the thing with the anti vaxxer who ends up dead. Um, there, there's a there's an episode or two where they're like, Joe is trying to. <laughs> Joe would like to not commit any more murders or have to you know uh, cut up more bodies. So he's like, let's find a way for him to get him out of here. Let let's you know let's find something to blackmail him with so that he keeps quiet about <laughs> getting yeah. Him. Um, and then he eventually dies. He, they kill him anyway. Uh, yeah, love love kills him. <laughs> And then the other two idiots in the show, um, the, oh. the influencer and her husband, which we have to talk about the camping trip. The camping trip's hilarious. Oh, um, yeah. We'll, they, we'll they talk about the camping trip and the and the uh, sex party. Yeah. But, um, yeah, her her and her husband end up in the box, um, which goes all Reservoir Dogs <laughs> not too long after. Uh, and, it, and it's like, and I'm watching this and I'm just like, as in a in a writer's meeting, are they going? Look, what people really like this show for, above all and all, is they have to have somebody in that box. There has to be a box, and someone has to be in it at all times. And I'm like, really? I could have lived without the box this season. Yeah, it was shoehorned in. I think. Yeah. Um, now, in season one, it served a purpose because you had the the douchebag boyfriend, mm -hmm. and then you had uh, Beck. It also that, served the purpose of it had a function in the bookstore. Right. In season two, it had a function because that's where he kept um, the penguin. Right. <laughs> uh, and then after that, it kind of. We, they're just finding yeah. reasons to put someone in the, to have the yeah. box and then put someone in the box. I mean, yeah, and, we and just they, see Brad Pitt just, just keep <laughs> popping up. What's in the box? I mean, as a function of an illustration of their commitment to one another, where it's like, we work better as a team. And, I, and it's funny because that's when I was enjoying the show. So like she kills Natalie and then, you know, and then there's really fun repartee between them where she's like, I don't know what to do. How do you kill? How do you get, get rid of a body? And Joe's like, I got this. Shut the fuck up already. Um, you know, and he, and his whole inner monologue is so funny. It's such a man thing. And I think like this, this is one of the few times in the show where I kind of identified with Joe because I have felt this way. Like, I don't want to have to clean up your mess. You did this. Why do I have to fix it? Um, <laughs> tells a lot about me. Uh, but I was like, I was kind of with Joe then. It was just like, please don't do things and not think about the consequences of it. Um, and so Joe has to now deal with Natalie's murder. But it's so funny because Joe's whole reaction to it is partially like, I, I why do I have to clean up your stupid mess? Be responsible, you know, be a responsible murderer. And part of it <laughs> is like, you took my toy away and broke it. Like he is very upset that she killed Natalie. And it's not because he's I'm upset that she committed murder. She's, he's less, he's less um, mad about that. And more of, 
but Natalie was my thing. It's like, like literally, like you took the child's toy and broke it, right? You know, threw it in the garbage or whatever. And it's like, but that was mine, and I wanted to play with it. I wasn't done yet, right? And and that's and that's where you you see the commitment uh, love has to him because mm-hmm. she doesn't want because uh, and there's something, you know, and the like she says during the sex party scene is she's like, you know, she. Point, calls him out on something. She's like, "Who are you thinking of? I know you. I I know your your habits. I know mm-hmm. I know that look." And, and he's trying to cover it up, and she just calls him on his bullshit, and she goes off on him and screaming that she murdered murdered Natalie, and chaos ensues after that. But you you see this, and it, it's is yeah, it's like he was more. It's like he was more upset that. <laughs> One gimmick infringement, but like you said, it was his new shiny toy mm-hmm. that got taken away, and now he's got to deal with the consequences. He's got to get both of them out of it because she acted on impulse and irrational. Yeah. Um, the other thing about Joe, and then we got to talk about the other characters. We've been we we keep starting to hint that we're going in that direction, and then we go back to Joe <laughs> and Love again. Um, <laughs> I. Joe just whining the entire season about being a dad and and then he kind of changed tracks like towards the end of the season he's like he starts saying like I have to do everything to protect like it's always I have to do everything to protect a woman now it's I have to do everything to protect Henry but I have to do everything to protect Henry from love and that's sort of the driving force of the second half of the season which I get it as part of like that's an ingrained part of his character I still, it's, it was so frustrating for me because, like, I'm sure as a character that he believes that that's, that he believes that to be true. He, that's, I believe that's what he thinks. As a, as a viewer, I'm like, Joe is so full of crap, it's coming out of his ears. You know, like, he, he creates situations where he has to be on a mission. Without the mission, he has nothing. He has nothing to live for. He has no, he has no motivator to get up in the morning. And it's like he's smart enough to where he can manipulate things so that he'll so something will show itself and he can take advantage of it. But it's really frustrating. And I don't buy it as a character uh, in many cases. So just let one um, go ahead before you do, before you say anything, let me go ahead and talk about uh, you know what would have made this show, you know, maybe you know, some better writing for Joe. You know what you know what that would have been? What would that be, Mark Radleach? That would be Grammarly. Exhausted plugs that I have to do. <laughs> um, Grammarly, AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvement. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. We have to talk about the boring librarian character. Let's talk um, about both librarian characters. We'll, we'll touch on both of them because okay. I think both the, uh, I think they both serve kind of the purpose. Because one's supposed to be blind, but he's not. <laughs> I didn't even pick that up until like later on. Um, all right. So, so so the object of Joe's obsession, and here's why I have a problem with this. Let's see what you think. Probably, probably think the same way I do. Because when every time I said she's boring, you agree with me. But like 
after Natalie dies, Joe needs a new object of affection. Joe needs something to obsess over. That's Joe's character. And <laughs> um, I think it was I think it was like Dennis Leary or somebody. I don't quite remember which comic this was. It was making fun of Bill Clinton. Oh no, it was sorry, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger they he was making fun of. And um and it was Jim Norton. Jesus, my memory is going. Jim Norton was making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger banging his maid. And he and he was and the joke was like, what did he do? Just grab the first woman within a within a you know five yard proximity to him? And he was just like, he's just looking around the house going, You come here. And I feel like that's Joe now, where it's like the only reason he's obsessing with Marianne is because she's in close proximity to him. Like there was nothing about like the way they wrote season one, I could see why he was obsessing over Beck. We talked about how she's a useless human being, but Joe takes you on the journey and you see through his eyes, what he saw in Beck. Right. And then love is an actually interesting character who it's very easy to get caught up into, not to mention she's personality disordered, which is, you know, very easy to get a to get like deeply involved with somebody with a personality disorder. It's like that's their that's their mutant power. Here, and I said this at the end of season two, you know, when he's looking over the fence at Natalie, and I'm like, but why? Because she had a sun hat? Because you're bored? Like, there's no reason for me to she believe has, you that you're obsessed with this person. She has books beside her. Yeah. And then <clears throat> we've already dealt with that. And like, okay, well, what's gonna happen now? And is this he looks around going, you seem to have a vagina. I'll obsess over you now. And like, that is her whole, like, I don't want to say that's her whole character. I mean, they tried with her, but there is nothing about her that would make me think somebody like Joe would be obsessed with her other than the need to be obsessed with somebody, anybody, at which point she doesn't really work as a character for me. She's just a mannequin. This is the problem I have with her is you're introduced to her. See uh, the very first episode you're introduced to her because yeah. Joe, fi- Follows Natalie to the library. Yeah, he's talking Natalie. And, and he does not pay attention to her at all. Right. There's very, like, he's dismissive of conversation. He's, and it's like, okay, so, you know, Natalie's no longer around. <laughs> yeah, we understand that you, you, you have a book fetish. <laughs> um, so why do you keep going to this library? What? You know, if if they would have, if they could have resolved this easy, just have her like flirting with Joe, mm-hmm. why he's trying, why he's following Natalie, have her trying to get Joe's attention, but Joe being preoccupied, right, and dismissive there, and then just build on like he keeps coming in, she keeps flirting with him, but no, that it it goes, you know, it goes like something we mentioned off air, point A, point B, somehow we ended up in left field. <laughs> it's it, it doesn't there's no correlation it's like it's just out of the blue like you said it's hey look i need to be obsessed with somebody with a vagina oh you'll do uh because she has no she has no substance to it like right. there is no reason why joe <laughs> would would attack because in in the first first season beck was a damaged human that tried to live beyond her means which joe manipulated her and Turned that to work in his advantage. Season two, love was broken. Love, because if you notice, like, there, Joe's obsessing about love as much as love's obsessing about Joe. So they're, they're like, it's kind of the, the Sam and Diane thing. Will they or won't they? 
Yeah. And then they, they get the, uh, for your chairs reference, uh, by the way. Um, so you have that tension, will they or won't they, through the first part of season two. And then, you know, they start building this relationship. And then it goes off the rails. This season, it's like there's no substance to Natalie or the librarian that outside of they read books. You know, I'm kind of scared if Joe meets me that he, you know, he may see me with a graphic novel and try to grab my ass. I don't know. So here's the thing about the poor writing of her, because some of the writing of you is actually not that bad. And then some of it is is like really, really bad. <laughs> um, the writing of Marianne is not great. And here's why I say there's a very specific reason. Attributes are not a characterization. Okay. So Marianne is utterly de devoid of character. She's kind of like a funny presence when he's stalking Natalie. And the actress playing her gives an all right enough performance. I was amused by it. But there's nothing really special about her. And then they were like, okay, well, we need her to be special now. So let's make her a drunk in recovery. And let's make her um, formally married to an anchor who is being all white and male and terrible. And let's have her have a daughter that she doesn't have access to. Okay, a battle. Yeah, those are attributes. Those are not, that's not really characterization. Those are like hurdles she has to overcome. Right. They're not any, they're not things that make her interesting. Like the fact that she's in a custody battle with a crappy husband isn't really something that's interesting. It's what you do with it that that, that makes makes it interesting. They they just settle for let's she's a Christmas tree, essentially. She's just this tree. And they start hanging bulbs on her. And you're supposed to be distracted by the shiny bulbs. I'm like, nope, still a tree. That's a tree. I see it. I see it beneath the tinsel and the lights. You can't distract me. She's a tree. <laughs> and it's not good writing. Yeah. And like I said, she's very, very one-dimensional. Um, yeah. And like, you know, you could you could have made her into something. Like I said, mm -hmm. if she would have... Uh, you could spit that little lull in the middle of her flirting with Joe. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, as Joe comes in the library more, you know, start, you know, her having her, you know, kind of vent to him about stuff and be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and just let Joe see like openings and then mm -hmm. just then just grow it from there. But it's like such a quick leap, his interest. It's like, mm -hmm. I, what would have been great is if he would have become infatuated with the, the influencer. Yeah, I'm like, we got to start talking about that because she, because she's like the best. She's the new Peach. She's the best terrible oh, character on the show. God, I, she cracked me up. And like, I didn't realize she was going to be so, like, so this is um, Shalita Grant as Sherry Conrad. And Sherry is a momfluencer. And she's yeah. basically like the Joneses you keep up with in a neighborhood like that. And she's married to her husband's character is, is Carrie Conrad. He's played by Travis Van Winkle. And Metro, these two heterosexual Thor. Okay, these two are hilarious in all the worst ways. The, these right. are the people in the neighborhood that everyone like. They set the tone for what the neighborhood is, and then everyone tries to be like them. Um, and they're you know they're obnoxious and you know and. Just overly like they try like they 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 are the Instagram people like you know right. the Instagram people they are the people who are just as dysfunctional as everybody else and just as messed up 
but they always put the most perfect, most framed pictures on Instagram. So it looks like their life is awesome and it makes everyone else around them feel bad. And that is their sole purpose in life is to make everyone who can't quite frame an Instagram photo quite the way they can feel bad about themselves. These are the people that drive my wife insane because their their house always looks clean in the picture. And my wife's just like, I give up. I can't do it. Yeah, nobody lives there. How can <laughs> how can somebody live there? Look at this. And right. a good a good um example of how how she is mm-hmm. is I, I think it's episode two, might be episode two or three, is when uh love goes to the um yoga session and like it's so all these backhanded comments that she just looks at them and goes, Okay, are you just calling me fat? Yeah, it's like, is everyone's conversation like, saying I'm fat? And they're like, No, and it's like, and, and you know, and you kind of see like this realization come across, and she got had a very good facial reaction. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, she just called us out on her shit. No, 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 this is a, uh, all, sh- all shapes and sizes are beautiful, and it's like, She has yeah. a funny line in this. Dude, when when Love brought the cupcakes to the birthday party and she started like flipping, I was like, everyone's sugar is spiked now. I was dying. Like, you're horrible, but I was dying laughing. Right. Um, the best part of it was was the back half of the season, almost towards the end. This is right before they go in the box. This is where everything, this is where the show goes into the finale arc. Uh, was this moment here. And so they've uh they killed the, the anti-vaxxer. Um, there's something else that they did that they're covering up. I don't remember what. Um, uh, there's the anti-vaxxer, and then they. I think that's the. Yeah, and that might maybe that was it, but they they, they shout oh, out in the house. Well, no, they they they. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Is um, love is has hooked up with the neighbor kid has is having right. this affair with the neighbor kid, and they're trying to masquerade joe's trying to use this sex party because she approaches love at the fundraiser and was like we want to take and then reveals this whole dark side of group sex to love hang on i I gotta tell you i gotta talk to you about that really quick so i happen to know a lot of like polyamorous people and they, they they talk about it very openly on facebook um and it's fine if that it doesn't work for my wife and I, but we are two people and the rest of the world can be polyamorous. And I think it's live and let live. I don't really take a moral stance on it. I just know personally, it doesn't really work for me or Melissa, but I do, but I, but I find when people talk about it, they talk about it in almost like a cultish, like religious way, you know, (laughs) like, you know, somebody who like found Jesus and they're, you know, and they're like, well, why haven't you found Jesus? It worked really well for me. And they want to tell you how great Jesus is. And it's like, how about you just be with Jesus and I'll keep being Jewish. It's fine. Um, or whatever. And it's like, and that's how, and I found a lot of polyamorous people. It's, it's not like they're trying to turn people, but they are, but they are definitely very vocal about how great it is. And that every, all us norms are missing out. And it's and like, Joe has a great line about that. Is, right. Is and that's, right what I'm, that's what I was building to like. And so, uh, what's her face? Was it Carly? Carrie? What the fuck's her name? Um, Sherry. 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 When Sherry's like, we're polyamorous. And Joe's like last bastion of a dying marriage. And I cried, Jason. I was, because every that's immediately everybody I knew on Facebook. And I'm dying laughing. And I'm like, ha ha. No, but really all my friends on Facebook, it's fine. You do you. 
anyway. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm talking about the line where they're like, um, Hearn loves dancing. And oh, it's yeah. Like, well, you guys come over here. It's like, look in your eyes. And Joe goes, is this where they ask us to join their cult? <laughs> I, 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 I laughed out loud so right. much. See, I'm not it's really like, off base. Because it's like, because, you know, and it's true because they're trying to make, you know, in the tone of the mm. scene, it's kind of serious because you've got the tension because Joe's going to use this as, as a way to get out of the relationship with love. Right. Like this, and this, is, this is his out. If he can be polyamorous and he can go sleep with Marianne, he doesn't have to really be involved in his marriage. Right. And she's, she's actually committed this to try to save the marriage. Right. And that's why she agreed to this. And mm. then, then you get the whole, this, this scene, the, the scene in front of the mirror was really uncomfortable for me. I don't remember. Yeah. It, so. Oh, where, well, where I'm the husband talking about it? It'll, it'll, it'll where the husband, where the husband says, you know, if you ain't gonna fuck you, if you can't look at yourself and fuck yourself, who can fuck you? And he's sitting there jerking off oh, that. the full length mirror, and I'm like, <laughs> this is way uncomfortable. I'm, not, I'm I, really uncomfortable. Okay, between that and the can and the hunting trip that Joe goes on, where he shoves him off the cliff, and he like. You know, and he you know just like Wolverines his body back in shape again. He goes, yeah. he's like, I, and I can't remember what chemical he says. Like, I'm mostly this hormone. I can't ever die. I was in tears, Jason. I was laughing so hard. Like I was yeah. watching that while I was working on like site stuff, and I actually looked up a couple of times to, to see what they were doing in the camping trip because it was so funny to me. Oh, the camping trip is the camping trip is awesome because you've got mm -hmm. like you've got this one alpha male right. who is like. Who is like you know the alpha of the group and mm -hmm. all these all these little betas that are just trying to impress, trying to mm -hmm. trying to be the the apple of his eyes. Yeah. And Joe doesn't <laughs> want to be there at all. He's in hell. Yeah, yeah. He just went on this just to try to cover up shit. Mm -hmm. And and it like Joe says down, no, you cannot eat. We only eat what we kill. And you're like, and he's like, but I ain't ate all day. You'll eat when I say. And it's like. And then he goes, you got to kill the squirrel. Kill the squirrel. And he's like, no, I don't want to kill the squirrel. You kill the squirrel. It's like, and then, you know, the, the fight club rules that you must make fire. Kill. You can only eat what you kill. If there's any any uh, disagreements, you must fight the man. And they're like, right. and you got all these people that are like, you know, these buttoned up suburban dads, like, unleashing their inner wolf or whatever mm -hmm. and like this is so funny then you got the gay couple and the one guy goes over and goes it's just done wonders for our marriage since <laughs> coming out here and you know it just makes him feel like he's connecting with his primal side and mm -hmm. you're like okay i get it i it, right. it's it's basically a, a um a placebo effect right um all right so <laughs> I uh, they, like I said, they're all horrible, but they but they they were they were the they were the light points of the season because they were like amusing in their horribleness, you know. Right. And, and and that's the thing is like when when her and her husband are in the box and they start and they slowly start to descend into madness, you know. And they you know they end up shooting each other, or when he shoots the glass and it ricochets and hits her. She shoots him dead to rights, and they yes. still manage to live and get through it. And then in like the epilogue. Joe talks about how they use the experience to sell books and do like do like TED talks and stuff. I was yeah. like, <laughs> that totally tracks. I, yeah. I was into it. All right, we have to talk about the finale. We, we're, we're just about out of time here for the evening, so let's talk. You love this finale. 
I was kind of rooting for love to just kill Joe. Like I need, like I was okay with this being the finale season. I, in the fact that it's going to go for a fourth season because it's popular and for whatever, re- whatever the algorithm told Netflix to keep this one and cancel something else. Fine. I don't even want to get into that anymore because I, because I think Netflix just throws darts to decide what they're canceling, what they're not. I, I would imagine in, in just not, not totally joking. This is a cheap enough show to make that it warrants, you know, for whatever the amount of people are watching it, it warrants keeping it along. Like something where a cowboy bebop is more expensive. You know, they're like, all right, well, not enough people watch this to warrant the expense. 10 people watch you and they they shot it on a lot and, you know, at Universal or something like it's fine. We can we can keep going with this. But my point being, I could have like if Love had killed Joe or even if it ended the way that it, that it ended, but they weren't coming back for a season four, I would have been OK with it. I was re- when, you know, when Love tricks Joe and, and it's kind of like do you ever watch Justified. Oh, yes. I love Justified. It was such a it was in the cup moment. When yeah. she tells him how she poisoned him and he was realizing that, you know, like it was through the skin and he, you know, it was, I got that, like it was in the cup from, uh, from justified. And I was like, Oh shit. And I had the, like a visceral reaction kind of like you were talking about, like, Oh my God, like she got him. Like she finally, you know, Joe finally got out thunk and, uh, and he's down. And here's the thing. And, I, and I'm going to say this and then I'm going to shut up and let you talk. You are supposed to, as a viewer, be scared for joe in that moment when joe is paralyzed and lying on the floor and love is doing all kinds of things you know while his body is prone and he can't stop her not the least of which was she was going to kill marianne she ends up not doing it because the kid's there and she's not a complete psycho um so she and that she in the end she ends up telling marianne all their business and tells marianne to like go and you as a viewer because joe is the technically the hero character of this picture you're supposed to feel bad for joe can i tell you how i didn't feel bad for him at all and when love went to slit his throat i was with love all the way like love is supposed to be the villain but the show is written so badly (laughs) joe is written such a horrible character that i was like no no no. after everything you've been through this season love i'm with you i'm on your side kill joe and it is not to be because joe is the lead in this thing and he can't die so Joe turns the tables on her. He kicks out. He hits her with the syringe. Then he fi- he makes it seem like they both died in the house in the fire. He chops off his toes, which was pretty gruesome. And then he goes to look for Marianne in Paris. Yeah, like you do. Like, you do. Um, but but this is what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reason why I like this this finale okay. is because uh, I was waiting for Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, George Clooney to show up because it was. <laughs> It was such an Ocean's Eleven ending because sure. you had all these things that had to had to fall into place, and you see how the heist was pulled off. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what I said I liked about this. The little Asian man that jumps into a fridge. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's the thing. But one of the things I liked about it is the the extent Joe went mm-hmm. to hide that he died. Sure. I would have been what I would have loved to see happen is love killed Joe, her second husband that died Mm -hmm. and her start off somewhere else. And we continue the narrative through love. Yeah. Rather than Joe. I would have totally loved season four to be love to to be focused on just solely love. Right. And I think that would have been a great thing, but Mm -hmm. 
Um, and the fact that, you know, he goes to Paris, I, I you know, that's a tremendous leap. Of a, of I'm going to pitch you an line. idea. I'm going to pitch you an idea. Love kills Joe, but she's terrible at hiding murders. So she gets caught for it. She gets arrested. She gets convicted. She said she gets sent to prison. The prison she goes to is in upstate New York. And Orange we have an is orange the is the new black. Yes. We have, yes. We have, we have a nighttime. Yes. We have a nighttime teleconnected universe. Right. I, I, I'm in. Yeah. You take can, my money. Yep. Um, we can. And then her lawyer is from Boston Legal. Because it's right. the first court show I can no, remember. Um, no, no. We'll, we'll go. We'll wake a lawyer, Marky Post. So, yeah, we can oh. throw, so we can throw night court in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. So, so we get a night court crossover because you yep. know, you know, you know, there that that would work. This is how you get to six hundred million dollars domestic. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but I I, I would have loved this, and you know, just to touch on some things, that season four is going to happen. Mm. Uh, that's rumored currently is a return of a character from season two is the teenage girl is supposed mm -hmm. to pop back up in season four and be oh, the antagonist okay. of Joe. the neighbor joe's neighbor yeah the okay. the the girl that he's sending money to right she's supposed to pop back up there's rumors that she's supposed to pop up in season four mm -hmm. and be the and basically track joe through the wires that he's sending the money to and is going to be one of the antagonists because she's of age now yeah. um so that that's something that they've talked about now like i said i would have loved having the narrative go through love because mm -hmm. she is a fucking basket case but <laughs> it's justified this season mm -hmm. and, and like we could have done like a kind of a dexter crossover where like 40 is her dark passenger like guiding her, trying to keep her sane, and like she's having these conversations, bring and forty back in. Can we please talk about when she's drunk? <laughs> oh, in the bathtub. <laughs> Talking to forty in the bathtub. Listen, I know I don't like horrors, and I'm a little on the squeamish side, but I've been doing better since you and Robert have been, you know, pushing me into the closets with the with the clowns and the monsters and whatnot. But I haven't quite seen anything as like we as uncomfortable like. You you talked about like what's his face jerking off in front of the mirror. I'm gonna tell you her in the bathtub with her dead brother and them hugging while they're both buck ass naked. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, shit happens. I mean, you know sure. uh, hasn't hallucinated a dead sibling in the bathtub. <laughs> moving on. Um Loki. Um <laughs> Right, I'll hang on. Hang on. So Loki. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think it would have been because one, and I think this is uh something that this show suffered from this season is it's the the misogynistic mm -hmm. um narrative. And you know, I'm not one to say that but it was like everything had like everything with joe was justified and it, it was like they they really dis um dismissed what love was trying to do for her family and yeah. that got lost because hey joe's the hero when it's actually love is actually the hero of the season 
and she meets her tragedy because only thing she wants is her family, the family that she never had. And she wants that family to remain together no matter what. Right. And that's, I think that got lost and I would love to see if it would have went that a different direction with her being the quote unquote, so survivor and, and still living in the same, same city with and running the bakery, mm-hmm. with just like he did with the bookstore. So it just kind of shift that narrative to her and have like somebody that, you know, just basically you could have rehashed season twos, have somebody coming into the bakery. That's, you know, that she becomes infatuated with. Mm-hmm. And though she's trying to let go of Joe, but she's trying to, then she latches onto this new person. And I think that would have been really good. I agree with you. Last thing I'm going to bring up and then we're done. Uh, you get the last word, but this last thing I'm going to bring up. So Joe's whole thing at the end of the show is I have to save Henry from his crazy mother. His crazy mother's no good for him. That's how I ended up being as messed up as I was. My mom was crazy. There's the parallel. I'm kind of fine with that. Joe, and and, and you think that it's just going to be Joe on the run with the baby, which I think would have been interesting. Like Joe falling in love with his baby and deciding that that was going to be the object of his affection and the need to protect. And, you know, and in season four, he's killing people that might somehow hurt his child, I think would have been interesting. And I think probably a much, you know, a much better story. Joe coming to the conclusion that I have to save Henry from a bad situation. That bad situation is loving me as his parents. And Joe basically like throwing in the towel on that. Look, people listening to this may not have the same philosophy as I do about being a parent. And I, and I understand that, but, but hear me out. I think when you've reached the conclusion that you can't take care of your child, the child would be better off without you. I'm hard pressed to be sympathetic towards you. I think Joe above all else, above everything he's done, that's the war. I mean, he basically, there was no reason he couldn't take care of that child anymore. He gave up because he didn't want to be a dad. And I don't know. As I say that out loud, I don't think people who, who don't want to be parents should be parents. But the horse has left the barn here. You already have the child. That was a decision you should have made before that. But I don't know. I It didn't sit well with me that it's framed in the narrative like he's being selfless. And yet it's a very selfish act. And to me, there was no getting around that. No matter what all else Joe did in the three seasons, the worst thing he did was give up his child and act like it's an act of selflessness. I really hated that about him. And so when he shows up in Paris looking for Marianne, I was kind of hoping the Eiffel Tower would fall on him and the Hulk would be seen walking away. Your last words on this show, sir. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I fully agree. you you choose to be a parent uh mm-hmm. and i think that he's seen uh the baby as a obstacle for him following his dreams yeah uh, and being with whoever he decides to be with being with the hispanic maid in Arnold schwarzenegger's mansion yeah and you know and just a brief touch on a character you give him to a gay blind guy that is only blind half of the season uh, that it shows playing with the kid in the sandbox 
and reacting to the kid uh, because why not? Uh, so you give him to that. Um, and it's one of those things that, you know, he didn't really think it through because, mm-hmm. you know, continuity and, you know, everything's got to be tied up. You know, you just don't leave a baby on a doorstep and that becomes the parents. Yeah. There is legal with things that you have to go through. Yep. Yeah. What, um, I can't wait for them to enroll him in school. Like, do you have a birth yeah. certificate? Do you have an immunization record? Do you have anything? Social security card? Nothing? Yeah. Where so, did you buy this baby from? <laughs> did you get this baby on the black market? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's, and I felt like a lot of things at the end were really shoehorn of force, yeah. like the whole getting rid of the baby, you know, and him going to Paris uh, just because it was something that was mentioned in an offhand conversation earlier in the season that she wished she could take her kid to Paris. How, yeah. how does he, there's no reason why right. he would know exactly, you know, you know, they jump straight to left field that mm-hmm. she's there and that he's going to, he's going to be able to track her down. Yeah, because, um, because as we all know, Paris is a one horse town. Yeah. I mean, Very easy to know, find people. it's, it's, you know, it's very, very easy. You know, the phone books right mm-hmm. there, names highlighted. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm looking forward to season four, but I'm tapering my expectations of what we're going to get. Yeah. Um, look, I'm gonna, I'm on the journey with you. I'm, I'm with you to the end, Bucky. But I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. There, there's a lot that needs to improve for season four. Like season yes. two has so far been the best season right. overall and because you had the best characters you had yeah. you had flushed out characters well also i i'm not really interested in joe obsessing over women anymore i know that's like the major hook for the show but joe trying to not obsess over love and be good because he doesn't want to get found by eve or whatever the hell her name was from the first season like that all works that that was great stuff like that that provided enough dramatic tension to hook me for the entire season Joe being bored with being a suburban dad and like, you know, looking for fresh vagina isn't interesting to me. Not to mention we've already done this. We did this in the first season. Either do something, you know, this can't be all this show is. You know, season five, Joe finds a new girl. This time she's a redhead. Season six, (laughs) you know, it just goes on and on and on. It's like, no, 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 no. You have to find other things for Joe to do. He, you know, and work in the obsession naturally organically not just be like you know you spin joe around like it's spin the bottle or, or pin the tail on the donkey you know and then it's like wherever he stops that's the girl he obsesses with like that's crap writing and it's like you're getting away with it because people like the show enough and they're not be- being tremendously critical of it like this is one of those ronnie adams shows where like can't you just enjoy it enjoy in- enjoy the saucy behavior you know, and in the sex appeal, and not obsess about. And that's the other thing. There were some lovely-looking people in this show for Hollywood actors, but it's not like anyone's really drawing me in with you know with their like model good looks or smoking swimsuit issue bodies. Like even the guy playing Joe, I don't know. I like it doesn't do anything for me. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what what you know straight women think of him, but like he just seems like a dude. Like love is really pretty. But I never thought much of Beck, and I didn't think much of Marianne, and I didn't think much of the woman who, um, God, what's her name again? I, keep I thought her name. Sherry. Like, I, like, they were all okay, but I didn't think any, like, 
my, my point is if you like if you ever if you remember the show Melrose Place, those were yeah. some smoking hot women. You know, Natalie was the hottest one in the season, and she died. And they the killed her in the first show. episode. Yeah, and Amber Amber threw a shoe at the TV when that happened. <laughs> Amber was like, she is the hottest one here, and they get rid of her. I don't want to watch this anymore. Look, if you're out there and you're listening to this, and you're like, I think Marianne is the smoking hottest babe I've ever seen. You two idiots are, you know, don't know what you're talking about. That's fine. It's very much that's very much a subjective comment on my part. I don't feel like safe for love and Natalie there was anybody like the point that i'm trying to make is if the writing fails this needs to be something else holding the stool up there needs you to need be a, you need eye candy yeah so like you know again melrose place was not exactly king lear but it got by because everybody on that show the men and the women were you know um you know, 90210 got Riverdale. even though they were supposed to be teenagers if one of them was like 30 when she was supposed to be 15 um <laughs> You know, even from Gabriel Carteris on down, these were some pretty amazing looking people. So it's like you can get by on saucy, soapy nighttime telly when everyone looks hot. When they don't right. look hot and the writing sucks, you're not you're, you're down to one leg keeping this thing up and, you know, and it's going to fall over. And, you know, uh, I mean, I'm curious what's going to happen. Yep, I'm not hopeful. OK. All right, Jason. You know, here's my other last complaint about this. There had no music. There was not, there's no good music. Yeah. You know, one of the things that makes some of these shows really stand out to me, like I mentioned Orange is the New Black before, like there was some pretty, pretty awesome music on Orange is the New Black. I think the producers of the show should sit down with Amazon Music Unlimited and find some good music to license. What do you think? I, I think that's good. And we can hook them up with a free trial. We can. Gosh darn it. We are here at uh, TV Party Tonight on Rattles and Broadcasting Network, part of W2M. Are giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Uh, if you click the link at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network, you can stream all you want for 30 days of Amazon Music Unlimited. They have over 70 million songs. They have podcasts just like this one that you're listening to. They have podcasts just like Jason's, the second and short podcast. Specifically, his podcast, The Cheap Seats. I don't know if everyone knows this or not, but the second short uh, podcast is it's like W2M. It's a network of a variety of different shows, and The Cheap Seats, hosted by Jason Teasley and Tyler Louder with Crowder, is one of them. Um, <laughs> tell him I said that. <laughs> That's his new name, by the way. He's Tyler Louder with Crowder. Um, anyway, uh, click the link at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network for your free 30-day trial. All right, Jason. That's all for me. Thanks. I'm driving. Um, uh, let's see. When are you back on again? Um, I'm doing a. Um, I'm back on the network um, the week of January 18th, where I'll be hosting a roundtable yep. uh, for the new Scream franchise. And I actually will have uh, our cohort, Alexa Haina. Um, my wife is actually joining a podcast with us. Um, and a few others is going to be able to hop on. We're going to be talking uh, a different take uh, from the horror genre of the you and Robert as we do a scream round table. And then looks like the 21st, I'm going to be joining you for a show called Dummy. Yeah, Jesse. Um, I, I have yet to look into it. I, I was tell just... you about the show. The, the, this was a 
So this originally premiered on Quibi, and Quibi was supposed to be like nine to ten minute episodes of a, of a television show, and uh, it was bite sized so that you could watch it while you were traveling on a subway or you know or you know on a break at work. Ten minute episodes of television shows. Quibi is no longer with us. That got absorbed by Roku, and specifically, Dummy is Anna Kendrick palling around with a sex doll. This is the greatest thing I've ever I've ever heard of. Thank you, Whitney Seibel, for telling me about it. He wasn't telling me specifically. He did a whole podcast on it. Like I have been obsessed with this show and have been finding a reason to to watch it and review it. So every Thursday night is date night in the house. It's it's our couch date night with me and my wife. This is why we don't record till ten o'clock. And we were we started with like documentaries like Dark Side of the Ring and all of that. We're moving on to movies, and I'm making her watch Dummy with me, and then I'm making you and Jesse start to talk about it because I am I have to. I am Mark Radledge have to talk about Annis Kendrick palling around with a sex doll. This sounds phenomenal. Uh, better does. than better than the movie of the lady that has sex with a car that we have yet to schedule. No. Nope. Uh, so yeah, that's the I, I'm back. Uh, well, I guess you could say I'm back on the network on your shows yep. uh, that week and, you know, look for, you know, our new partnership with the Radledge Broadcasting Network and the Segment Short Podcast, um, bringing fantasy football needs. Uh, I was gracious enough for Mark to let us uh, cross promote, and I'm very thankful because if you guys do not know, Sir Mark Radledge is where I actually got into podcasting and started uh, the Chief Seats many, many years ago. Uh, that has prospered another person on the network to grow, outgrow me and big time me and can't even return my phone calls or my messages anymore. Uh, Jesse outgrew me. Um, you know, Coop outgrew me. I, I mean, I just became the little man. I uh, I left the network for a while, but the prodigal son has, or the protocol son is Mark. No, you're the protocol me. son. I'm sticking with that. I can't <laughs> yeah, the, remember how to spell the, the damn word. The, the, the protocol son <laughs> has returned to the RIB. Yep. So, yes, th that is a long and drawn out way of saying Jason's cheap seat shows <laughs> as part of Second and Short uh, is now going to be co broadcasted here on W2M. The first episode aired yesterday. Uh, it was your championship week and fantasy trends show. So that yeah. is up on audio form. It's also the audio version is up on our YouTube page with the little speaker player. Um, but if you'd like to see Jason's smiling face and Tyler Louder with Crowder, uh, you can check out their second and short uh, YouTube page where you, they, you can see the all the shows in video format. Plus, if you like Jason's cheap seats and you like Tyler Louder with Crowder, then uh, you can check out the rest of the show's uh, that are on second and short. All right. In the meantime, uh, it's Sunday as we're recording this. We are off and running on a new week of content. The Christmas is over. Spider-Man is over. The thrill is gone. Anyway, uh, we kicked off the year with um, source material. We did uh, it was, We did a Mark Russell book. It was myself, Evan Bevins, and Jesse Starcher, Mr. Essential. Uh, we did Billionaire Island, and it was hilarious. Tomorrow... Uh, Jesse did a roundtable with uh, a whole bunch of different people talking Spider-Man No Way Home. So you'll get another roundtable uh, of people who didn't, who were not able to make the No Way Home Damn You Hollywood. Uh, so that'll be up tomorrow in audio form only. And then in the evening time, myself, Sean, and Sean Comer will be doing a triple feature for, speaking of women having sex with cars, Titane, 
El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, speaking of good television, and Christine from Stephen King. Yes, it's an all cars themed triple feature because I'm Christine. done dumb like that. Speaking of dumb like that, uh, January 4th, we will be rev- uh, the Podsman will be reuniting to form Voltron, and uh, we'll be reviewing WWE Day One. Brock Lesnar, baby. Woo! Um, and in the evening time, we've got a special uh, streaming version of the Damn You Hollywood show. Instead of uh, movies in, on the big screen, we're going to be looking at two movies on the little screen since there's no money to be had. So we'll be looking at Don't Look Up. Yep, everyone else already talked about it. We're finally getting to it. And from Aaron Sorkin, and this was so Aaron Sorkin, Being the Ricardos. Uh, Wednesday, myself, Jesse, and Robert Cooper will be reviewing Bandmade Unseen World from a year ago, uh, but I just now learned about it about a, a week or two. Jesse will have an Unspoken Issues, uh, the first arc of the Carnage book, allegedly. And then uh, Thursday, um, I will be doing another triple feature, this time with Evan Bevins and Ronnie Adams. We're doing uh, Nicolas Cage's Prisoners of Ghostland, one of the 500 movies he released last year. Uh, Chloe Moretz, Grace Moretz, uh, Shadow in the Clouds, and Out of Death, starring Bruce Willis. So some streaming action for you. And then uh, Friday, myself and David Wright, continuing our look at science fiction, will be cleaning up, speaking of, speaking of shows that are in their third season, Lost in Space, season three, which is awesome this season. I can't wait to talk about that with David. And then Saturday, and I can announce this now, it's been confirmed. I have a big-time guest coming. Uh, from all the way from his room down the hall, my son and I will be doing a comic strip for nice. the movie uh, Rumble, which was based on the graphic novel uh, Monster on the Hill. So he read okay. the book. I read the book. It's fantastic. You, you know, it's for little kids, but it's still a, it was still a very well-written book. Um, I'm probably just amused by the Cockney accents of the characters, but that's besides the point. So we're, uh, we read Monster on the Hill. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to compare it to Rumble, which is currently airing exclusively on Paramount+, Plus because Paramount had no faith in that movie being able to move ticket sales. Nope. Uh, that's it for me. Thanks. I'm driving. Jason, anything else? No, just um, look, look us up on Twitter. Name's right there under, underneath my chin whichever chain you pick um and thank you guys for listening and see yep. you soon all right everyone yep be, be sure to subscribe on apple or uh, spotify or wherever else you find the audio of the podcast if you like video and you like to see all this all that that um <laughs> make sure you subscribe to our youtube page uh give us a like and a follow we certainly appreciate it it helps us out gets us uh, featured more makes us more visible to other people who might like this and that. All right. Now I'm done feeling myself up on camera. For Jason Teasley, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.